Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He's commissioned to go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children would be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So there, in, there is your like main thesis, so to speak, behind this letter. God's like, I need you guys to get this. This is what you're doing to me. So Hosea, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to step out there and do something crazy and marry Gomer. Has God ever asked you to do something and your response at the time was, what? No way, God. Maybe he was leading you to the mission field overseas or maybe to lead a Bible study. Whatever the case might be, you can have faith in the fact that if God leads you to it, then he'll lead you through it. Just as Pastor James shares about Hosea and the other minor prophets, God's requests can leave you scratching your head until his ultimate purpose is revealed and fulfilled through your obedience. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Hosea chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. The message of Hosea, it is a, it's a prophetic message. It's called a minor prophet, not because he's lesser than the other guys. Um, it's because his book is shorter or smaller than theirs. Okay, that's why they're called the minor prophets. So you have Hosea, um, whose name means save or deliver or deliverer. And it's the same verbiage. It's the same verb as uh, Joshua or Yeshua. Okay, so it's, it's, it's right along the same lines there. He was a contemporary of the other minor prophet, Amos, who we love his cookies, right? Famous Amos. He makes those great cookies for us, and that's not him. Um, Anyways, uh, he was a contemporary with Amos, okay? And then the ones, the prophets who preceded him were Elijah, Elisha, Jonah, and of course, Amos was a contemporary. He's a little bit before him, but they basically function around the same time. There's a good chance that Hosea actually would have known Jonah personally. As a little kid, he would have probably overlapped with the prophet Jonah, okay? So that's kind of the circle within which, which we're talking about here. He was a prophet to the northern kingdom, which would be, uh, you're going to see it listed throughout this book as um, Israel or Ephraim. And if you see Ephraim, that just means northern kingdom. Um, he did have prophecies concerning the southern kingdom or Judah, but primarily it was all his messages were directed towards the northern kingdom. About two years prior to Hosea's time, Israel split. Okay, and I think they even referenced that within the video, but uh, Solomon died, and then his son took over, and then you had the split that happened within the nation. That all was about two years before Hosea came on the scene. All right? And, uh, yeah, um, he, we're going to, let's, let's read verse one, because we got like a list of some kings that we're going to be just, and this just helps us historically to understand where we're at. It says, the Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Barai, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, which means southern kingdom, okay? 
And Jeroboam uh, was the son of Joash, uh, or Jehoash, however your Bible says it, it's Joash, the king of Israel, meaning the, the king of the northern tribes. All right, so here's what, we, uh, here's what we can understand. A lot of those southern Judah kings, um, is what I have there, uh, were, were pretty much good, except for Ahaz. That dude was wicked, okay? So you got like some good kings down there. All the northern king guys, that was a mess. They were killing each other. Like, they were, I mean, they were just slaughtering each other. And, and Jeroboam II, that's who we're talking about. That's really, he, he was in his prime when Hosea came on the scene. Um, he was, I can't remember if it's 60 years. I think it's about 60 years. But he was right in his prime as the king. And then, uh, then somebody took over for him. And then that dude got, uh, he got executed or assassinated, I should say. And then the other, then a guy behind him took over. He got assassinated like it, like you're talking about six months time, a year's time. I mean, just on down this list of they were just wiping each other out. They were just killing each other. I don't know what's happening in the northern tribes, but uh, they were vicious and they were not good. They were not good leaders at all. Uh, and that's why you have this letter is because the, and not the, the southern tribe or the southern portion of Israel, it's not like they were you know, holy in that sense, in that regard, in their lifestyle and the way that they were following God. But that northern tribe had uh, just a, a ton of idolatry that was going on. And that's why we have this letter from Hosea, which is an interesting, fascinating letter. Nobody wants the ministry of Hosea. Nobody. Nobody. You don't have anybody lining up for like, I kind of want to follow in Hosea's footsteps. Nobody, right? We, we can look at the other prophets and be like, Daniel, that'd be sweet, right? I'd like, to, I'd like to have that kind of ministry, maybe. Some other ones, if you actually know these prophets, you, you, you might hesitate on some of them as well. I think of Isaiah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a cool, you know, the whole book of Isaiah is beautiful, but he had to like walk around naked for a certain amount of time. And he had, he, the Lord had him doing all sorts of fun stuff. Ezekiel, again, he was doing some wacky stuff and you're like, what's the Lord? But nobody would want, nobody would sign up for what Hosea was commissioned to do by God. And what he's commissioned to do is live out his message in a very real, real way. God was going to, he was, he, God was becoming almost like, you know, 4D in one sense of like, I'm going to show you how our relationship looks like. I'm not just going to tell you. I'm going to put it on display, and I'm going to use my servant, Hosea, as an example. Crazy story. Look at verse 2. It says, the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea. He said to him, to Hosea, go marry a prostitute. I'm sorry, what? Um, Push pause, God, okay? I got questions. But prostitute, like the video says, we don't know if she was a prostitute or a harlot um, or a wife of fornication before they got married, or she became that afterwards. Here's my thought. She was before. She was before. I can't be dogmatic on that. I will admit that to you. I cannot be dogmatic on that. But here's what I'm doing. I read through the, the book of Hosea, and I think it's a, great, it's a great prophecy book. And we're waiting for some of these prophecies to come true. They haven't all come true from this book. But if I take a step back and I look at this, and I apply it practically to my life, I and me and you are never the Jose in the story. Please understand that. You and I are Gomer. 
where I like to pronounce her name Gomer, which is actually how you say that, which, you know, it's probably a little bit better for her too. Um, I don't know if she'll be in heaven, but uh, she might be re- correcting a lot of people like, why'd you call me Gomer? Like, I'm not some backwoods person. Like, what, what is that? Like, no, it's Gomer technically, but that's me in this story. That's me in this story. I have this tendency to align myself with I don't want to call them all heroes, but I like to align myself with the quote-unquote main characters of the Bible. Okay? Hosea. Okay. I'm not Hosea in this story. Not even close. I'm Gomer. <laughs> I'm Gomer in this story. And here is, here is the Lord communicating to his prophet Hosea to the nation of Israel, specifically the northern, the northern region there, Israel, Ephraim, that... He is calling Hosea as his prophet to go and do something that is just absolutely crazy. And I think she may have been a harlot beforehand because I was a harlot before Jesus saved me. I was not pure before he saved me. I was not. I was completely defiled. And it took him saving me that redeemed me. Okay? Interesting. We'll, we'll see how this all plays out. But um, So that's my thought on that. That I think there was, that was happening beforehand. To what degree? I don't know. Because we we're not given that information. But that's just kind of what I think. Uh, you could think differently. Cool. That's fine. Um, and I, I can't disagree with you on that either. I mean, there's just no real evidence to say she was before or she became it after. I don't know. I don't know. But... He's commissioned to go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children would be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So there, in, there is your like main thesis, so to speak, behind this letter. God's like, I need you guys to get this. This is what you're doing to me. So Hosea, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to step out there and do something crazy and marry Gomer. And you're going to have kids. And I'm going to use this story to communicate or to illustrate to the, to the nation there, specifically, once again, the northern kingdom. This is what you are doing to me. So there's the commission. And Hosea has an option. He has, he has a choice. He can either obey or he can disobey. Right? And if he doesn't want to be used by God, then he can, he could say no. I believe that he could, probably could have said no and said, been like Jonah. Like, I heard, I, I knew Jonah. He ran away. Didn't really work out well for him. He ended up having to go back, go to Nineveh. So I think Hosea, out of just devotion to God, because I believe this meant, I don't, I don't know of anybody who is, man, you, you want to talk about like heroes that we don't talk about within the word of God. Hosea has got to be like one of the top guys. Because what he does is insane. Like, not that he's crazy, but his devotion to God is like, wow, it's, it's humbling. It says, verse 3, so Hosea married Gomer. So he married her. He found Gomer. And again, I, that's part of my thinking that she maybe was doing this already. And he's like, well, I guess she's the one. She's, can you imagine those wedding invitations, right? As they arrive and you're like, oh, Jose is finally getting married. Who's he getting? Oh, he's getting married to Gomer. Oh, no. Okay, right? Like, this would be scandalous. This would be absolutely scandalous in this day. She's the daughter of uh, Diblaim, 
uh, if that's how you say his name, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I'm about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed at Jezreel, which is a valley, the Valley of Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in the Jezreel Valley. Jezreel means to scatter. It means to scatter and to sow. Okay, so there's two different definitions there. Both different defi- de- differing definitions are going to be used in the same letter, actually within the first three chapters. But here it's talking about, I'm going to scatter you guys. This is not a good thing. Scatter, punishment, judgment. You're like, oh, can there, can I be his middle name? Like, can he have, like, is there a first name? Can we just call him, you know, Hosea? But no, God's like, no, this is what you will name him. And, and this is a living example. So all those who are living in the community of Hosea are seeing him live out this example. He got married to Gomer. What is he getting married to Gomer for? And she's just, oh, she's pregnant. She's having a baby boy. What'd you name your baby boy? Jezreel. Why'd you name your baby boy Scatter? Or God will scatter. Hosea, you're weird. You're you're weird. What are you doing? It's like, I'm obeying God. I'm obeying God. And what initially sounds like madness or craziness will make perfect sense if you're paying attention. And that was the whole thing. God's just trying to get Israel's attention. He's just going to great depths to get their attention. Soon, verse 6, Gomer became pregnant again, and she gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter, your daughter, Lo-Rahama, Lo-Rahama, okay? No mercy. Um, that's what her name means. Lo in the Hebrew means no. Rahama, uh, Rahama, if that's how you want to say that, uh, is mercy, love, or compassion. It's kind of a, a flex word there in one sense. But what God is saying is, this is what you're going to name your daughter. No love, no mercy, no compassion. And you're like, all right, I was with you on the Jezreel thing because it sounds kind of cool. But now I got to name my daughter, no no love, no mercy, no compassion, not loved, which technically is maybe the more accurate definition, not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. That's a bold statement from God to Hosea, to deliver, not just to speak to the people, but also he's like, this is my daughter. This is what her name means. God doesn't love you anymore. He doesn't, he's not gonna, he's gonna stop. And he's, he wants, he's gonna stop forgiving you. Like, are you paying attention yet? And they're like, mm, nah, I don't believe that. I don't, I mean, we thought it was strange when you married the harlot and then you, Jezreel and now this low Rahama. It's, uh, no, okay, so, Jose, you're just crazy. You're just crazy. Verse 7, but I will show love to the people of Judah, to your neighbors to the south. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies or horses and charioteers, but by my power as the Lord their God. And he demonstrated that a handful of times in many battles that the kingdoms of the south were facing, where God just showed up and wiped out armies. Jesus himself referenced some of those stories to his disciples in the garden when Peter tried to whack off Malchus's ear, and Jesus says, do you, do you not think that I can't call down an army 
to take care of these fools? He was, he was referencing back to some of these stories that were happening within the southern kingdoms. After Gomer had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said to him, name him Lo Ami. Lo, we already know, means no. Ami means people. You're not my people. What a, what a, what a terrible name for a kid to grow up and go through school with, right? He's like, well, what's your name? Lo Ami. They're like, you don't belong to anybody? And he's like, no. He's like, well, I do, but God, you know, is using use me as an example to communicate to the people of Israel, which may be a cool thing, but not my people. So again, God is communicating to these people at large, I'm going to scatter you because of your unfaithfulness to me. You're Gomer in the story. You're unfaithful to me. I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to show you no more mercy, no more love, no more compassion. You're not going to be my people anymore. Now, we, it, it's fascinating just to, to bear in mind, we just went through the book of Leviticus where God was like, you want to be my people, this is what it means. If you want to be blessed in the land that you occupy, then you have to do these things. But if you don't do these things, then this is what you can expect. We just finished Leviticus, and that's what it ended on. And now you have the people who are well-established within the land doing the, the exact opposite of what God told them to do. And now he's just, once again, he's coming alongside and saying, okay, if this is how you want it, then fine. But out of love, he gives warnings. He gives warnings. Because it's not, you'll see at the end, the low ami becomes ami, right? It goes from you're not my people to, of course, you're my people, right? This is just a beautiful little lesson that God is speaking to his, to his people. Historically, the nation of Israel, specifically the northern kingdom back then, but also to my heart, to my heart, to this little Gomer's heart, right? Where I'm just like, you know, I, I'm not the Jose. He stepped in and rescued this harlot, so to speak, spiritually. I'm all over the place, especially before God. I was worshiping anything and everything especially myself. But here he is communicating to, to these guys, to us, look, there's consequences. I want devotion. I deserve your devotion. I deserve your, we have a covenant together, not a contract. Anytime we do marriages, we tell the couples, you're not entering into a contract. Contracts can be broken and gotten out of. This is a covenant. This is bigger. This is better. This is what God had with the children of Israel. And they are completely rejecting this covenantial uh, relationship that he had offered to them. He says, yeah, verse 10, time will come when Israel's people will be like the sands of the seashore, too many to count. Then at the place where they, where they were told, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the children of the living God. Then the people of Judah and Israel will unite together. They will choose one leader for themselves, and they will return from exile together. What a day that will be, the day of Jezreel. Okay, so that's not the scattering, but now they're talking about the sowing. Because remember, Jezreel, it can mean scatter, but it also can mean God sows, where he plants. And this is that dual meaning here where he's saying, that's the day of Jezreel when God will again plant his people in his land. In that day, you will call your brothers Ami, not Lo Ami, but Ami, my people, and you will call your sisters Ruhama 
Uh, uh, yeah, I think that's how you said that. Um, the ones I love. So here's God putting a book into this little thing saying like, look, currently this is where you're at. This is where you're at. He's like, I, I, I want to scatter you. I, I ain't got no more love for you. And uh, you're not my people. But however, a day will come where you will come back together and you will be my people. God has never abandoned Israel, just so we understand that. He has never abandoned Israel. He still has Israel as a part of his plan. This is what we would call the, the day or the age of the church right now. And Israel will have their time. They will absolutely have their time. And this, this will be fulfilled, this coming together. It has not been fulfilled in completion, in totality. And there's more to this prophecy that we're going to see in the next two chapters. But I think what we're kind of hinting towards is this, um, this millennial reign of Christ. Okay? We're not there yet. Sorry, but we are not there just yet. So let's get more into... What's her name? Gomer. I don't know. I keep going to call her Hagar. Um, but no, it's Gomer uh, into her life. So verse uh, one of chapter two. But now bring charges against Israel, your mother. And just so you understand that this is not anything against women, but this is, this is uh, how God is phrasing out like the leadership of the northern kingdom. Okay. Your mother. For she is no longer my wife. And I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her as naked as she was on the day she was born. You're like, wow, okay. Um, the Lord is really getting down to it with the nation of Israel, okay? It says, I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness, and I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution, their mother is a shameless prostitute, and she became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, this is Gomer's reply, right? I'll run after other lovers. I'll sell myself to them for food and water, for clothing of wool and linen, and for olive oil and drink. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of myself. This is like her justification of her acts. And remember, we are talking about a real person, but we're also talking about the nation of Israel and how they were spiritually responding to God, where he's like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And they're like, do it. Do it. We'll find another way. And they may not have been verbalizing that, but that is exactly how they were living while they were worshiping Ashtoreth, poles, and that was a part of their worship practices, Baal, which we're going to see that dude in a second. They were giving themselves over to these other things, and they were trusting and hoping in these other things. And in essence, what they're communicating to God is, take it away. We'll, we'll figure it out on our own. It's just pride. Stubbornness is what it is. Stiff-necked people. It's like, okay. And that, that's, that would be her response. The lovers or the, um, the pagan idols that Israel had abandoned God for. Kind of pretty contentious relationship here, right? You're thinking like, oh my goodness, what a soap opera this, this, this little letter is, right? Like this might be your new favorite letter to read through. If you like drama, uh, you're like, I'm going to read through that again. Um, I don't like drama at all. And, uh, but I read through this and I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I act like that to God far more times than what I realize. I'm sure of it. But I'm like, oh Lord, please forgive me. I am, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm a prideful person. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're currently in a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Don't let the word minor fool you. Normally, its definition is widely known as not important, but that's not the case here. Many men from days of old spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus and his power to bring wayward souls back to him. Despite all of their poor choices, Jesus used different prophets to speak the saving truth of his righteousness into their lives. If you liked what you heard today, you have an opportunity to share it with others by making a donation to this ministry at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Donation tab. Feel free to explore other teachings by Pastor James as well. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston. If you're looking for a church that you can call home, or you simply want to connect and pray with somebody, we'd love to be that for you. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Interested in visiting us at one of our services? Well, you have two options available to you, Sundays at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. If you can't get there, we invite you to use our Facebook live stream. We'd love to connect with you because there's hope and healing in Jesus. Our time is up for today's edition, but we'd encourage you to tune in next time to hear more about these prophets that had major messages from God. Join us for more wisdom that comes from the Word of God right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of people.